Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're listening to Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back, planet Earth, to the Lembit Opic show. Two hours down, one to go. It goes so fast. But that's because we have top quality free thinkers. And our next guest, who I will introduce uh, properly in about five minutes' time, is Linda Jack. She is a political commentator with experience of two uh, political parties in the UK. And we'll be looking at the rather strange demise of the old parties in the by-election, which took place in the north of England in a place called Rochdale. Uh, I'm going to talk about that with her. Uh, but first, I want to express two things. First of all, a big thank you to everybody who's coming onto the chat. Uh, as you've just heard, you can go to tntradio.live, get yourself involved uh, on the chat there. I can't possibly keep up with all the wonderful comments you're making and lots of debates which have their own life there. I, I sometimes don't read out a whole string of things because I'd have to go back and explain them. You'll get the most out of the show if you do go to the site. Also, you'll find the phone numbers there. You're most welcome to call in as well. And when we are out and about doing our outside broadcast, do come and say hello as well, as Holly did and Just a Bloke did too. Great to see you both outside the Royal Courts uh, of Justice, where... Julian Assange was being essentially tried for extradition to see if he would be taken to America. That still rumbles on. We'll keep you posted. When that news breaks, you'll get the truth here at TNT as well. Let me read some of the comments that have been coming in based on the conversation I just had with Mads there, uh, who is uh, definitely blowing the whistle against what he believes is an organized and essentially a quasi-religious conspiracy against us, where the banks uh, use massive amounts of money to create millionaires or to help people get super rich in exchange for a mutual greed and perhaps i would suggest power association as well uh, mads like many viewers of tnt is rather skeptical about the merits of the world economic forum where klaus schwab famously infamously said that we will all be happy and yet earn nothing own own nothing well i don't think that applies to him of course i'm sure he won't be giving everything away um, but i was fascinated also to hear a man who has had a very successful career in the banking world blowing the whistle on what he saw when he was there uh, some comments coming in the uh, uh tim Kerry says uh, the big irrigation scheme that the Allied forces destroyed in Libya was a crying shame. Yes, Mads referred to that. $64 billion, uh, in value that was, and it was destroyed. Um, and uh, Craig Abath says, you need to flee to the basket African countries like Tanzania or Malawi or Zambia or so forth. I guess you're saying to get away from all this madness. Perhaps the chaos protects you to an extent from the organized madness, but Mads was saying within five years, there'll be nowhere to hide. That was a dark comment. Uh, and on the point of Julian Assange, uh, Hidden uh, Truth says, Julian Assange says uh, that exactly wars are started on lies and truth makes peace. He has said that. And I saw that on signs when we were broadcasting live for today's news talk from outside the uh, uh, Royal Court. Uh, a trial so important that we even had the top uh, brass of today's news talk coming all the way to London uh, to help to broadcast and to do that live coverage. We don't just talk the talk, we walk the talk. And I think that all of us here at TNT were very proud 
to give what we think was the most unbiased and the most hard-hitting and honest coverage of the Assange trial of any station anywhere on the planet. Uh, I'm obviously biased on that, but then I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that. Uh, Mogden says, Libya, Syria, Iraq destroyed by the United States. Say, well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You actually have these countries saying it's terrible when other countries warmonger, but apparently it doesn't apply to us. Ask anybody in Afghanistan or Iraq or perhaps Syria or perhaps Libya. And the list goes on. Uh, Madrid says, give this guy a slot on TNT. That would be mad as well. Uh, I'm sure no reasonable offer would be refused if Mads wants to come back. Craig Abbas says, agree, Mads is brilliant. Thanks, then. But, no, well, thank you for that comment. And also thanks to Mads because he was just telling us like he saw it and from the inside as well. Just a few more. Uh, Justin Bloke says, absolutely top-notch guest, Lembit. Thank you, Mads. Yes, Mads, you've made a lot of friends here at TNT. Uh, Blodders agrees. Uh, Martin says, I'll say it again, red or blue, left or right, just different ends of the same, well, human uh, human waste, let's call it. Uh, I don't want to read that out. It's a family show. My kids could be listening. Uh, Moncton says, brilliant guest. First half show so far. Then. But, oh, thank you, Red. Uh, you're just saying that because it's my birthday. Uh, keep the calls and comments coming. They're coming in faster than I can read them. Uh, before I go to Linda, let me just say something that I noticed, uh, which is very much in line with what Mads said. Uh, and that's about the fact that the establishment seemed to be quite keen on shutting down any dissent. Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, launched a damning invective yesterday from the steps of the Downing Street residence he gets as his grace and favour home as Prime Minister. And many people thought he might be calling a general election. But no, it was far more important than that. He just wanted to condemn George Galloway for winning the by-election the day before. Now, let's remember, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, was not put into position by the country. He hasn't fought a general election as prime minister in his entire life. The Conservatives chose him to be the leader of the government. George Galloway put himself up for election in Rochdale. He threw himself at the mercy of the Democrats. And here we have Rishi Sunak demonstrating his ire against a man who secured enough votes to be returned as a member of parliament by the people who pay the salaries of the politicians, namely us, the taxpayers. I wonder, Rishi, I'm sure you're a very nice man. I used to work with you myself. But by what authority are you saying you have more democratic legitimacy than the man who was elected on Thursday? The Conservatives had a candidate, didn't do terribly well. I'm Sorry to tell you, nor did Labour, nor did the Liberal Democrats. The Greens were absolutely trashed. The person who came second was an independent. It suggests that Mads, my guest from Denmark, isn't the only person somewhat dissatisfied with the establishment. And the fracture I have so often mentioned before here on today's News Talk TNT might be writ large in the outcome of a by-election that the traditional parties just don't feel too comfortable accepting wake up and smell the coffee folks this is a portend of what could happen at the general election i'm not suggesting that george galloway will be the next prime minister but boy he did well for his workers party in an environment where he was remorselessly being condemned 
by his opponents with ad hominem attacks, a phrase that we heard earlier on from one of our guests. My view is that the politics of Britain is changing, that George Galloway in his victory speech was correct to comment about the tectonic plates of British politics being on the move. I know of a, uh, of a campaign called Operation Earthquake, which is determined to make sure that any candidate who supports the abolition of the petrol and diesel engine in Britain will not get re-elected. And that's because the public don't seem to want it. The question I have for you, dear viewer, is where do you stand on all this? And have you got the gumption to get up and be heard? Today's news talk is all about truth and about opinions, but we separate the two. Perhaps it's also about empowerment about telling you that you don't just have to eat the spoon-fed illegitimacy of wrong thinking dressed up as opinion. I would love you to have your views, and I'd love you to share your views on the chat. It's so many, so busy now that I won't get through everything all the time. But I thank you for the fact that you are part of the vanguard, and I use that word very pointedly, that is pushing back against the ignorance that we are peddled, the opiate of the people, which has transformed into processed media reportage. You don't get that here at TNT. As long as you can think for yourself, it's worth tuning in. And no one better to listen to than my next guest, Linda Jack. I'll introduce her in just a moment, right here on the Lambert Big Show on TNT. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Uh, interestingly, Mazzy says, Lembit looks or comes across taller to me over the years. Everything lately is not quite as it seems. I'm not sure, Mazzy, if you mean that literally or metaphorically. Perhaps I feel liberated here. Having worked for some of the establishment media, we are now in an environment where I can actually speak freely. And so can Linda Jack. Linda, welcome Thank back you. to today's Thank news talk. Lembit. How are you doing? I'm all right. And many happy returns to you. I hope the rest of your day is exciting as clearly the, the last few hours have been. Oh, thank you for saying uh, with the amount of uh, greetings and happy birthday wishes, including from as far afield as Russia. Uh, um, I've got uh, I have to tell you that I'm very pleased to see uh, uh, this this outpouring of warmth. Now I know <laughs> what what the king must feel like. <laughs> he's having his official birthday but uh, i i have to reassure you i don't have an official birthday i just have a birthday and it's the second of march i'm pisces i'm not sure if that's good oh, or bad yeah. uh, and some other uh, viewers have also got the same uh, same date but uh, enough of me how about you linda you no doubt stayed up late to watch the outcome of the by-election on thursday because mm. you used to be in the labor party and then you Very joined the liberal democrats didn't you and actually, the only other person that's ever mentioned that to me is um, Dave Aronovich, who you probably know, who I met at an LGA conference many years ago. And he was absolutely astonished that I was in the Lib Dems. But I have been a Lib Dem and uh, previously SDP for a very, very so, long time. So you've been in three parties, LGA's Local Government Association, for those who aren't familiar. Yeah. So you've been in three parties, not two. You've been in well, the yeah, SCP, mm -hmm. the Social yeah, Democratic Party, then... Heard then the liberal dem then the labor party was it which order was it labor, labor sdp when i was yeah. very young and innocent um and then it was sdp um, which i joined really because of uh shelly williams leaving the labor party um 
and then obviously then we merged with the Liberal Party. Let's start with the macro point then. Uh, before we talk about the momentous results in Rochdale, and we'll have to explain to our international viewers why it's so important. But before we start, what caused you to shift parties? Is it because you can't make up your mind? <laughs> no, it was because um, I, it was the the days of, uh, I was going to say momentum, but it wasn't, what were they called? You remember in those days, militant, <laughs> militant. Oh, and yes, militant. I felt that was a step too far for me in terms of what was happening within the party. Um, one of the reasons I joined was because of Shirley Williams. So her decision was very key in influencing me. And actually, I feel I'm probably more at home in a, a more liberal party because Labour Party still can be quite tribalist. So you went from Labour to the STP, which is one of the two parties that helped to create eventually the Liberal Democrats. Uh, let me ask you now, before we go to the break, are you happy in your home? I Lib Dems? Moments. <laughs> I was not very happy with the coalition. Um, I'm not too happy at the moment uh, it, locally because of the, the Gaza situation, but that's a long story. Uh, yes, uh, as I recall it, Sorry, mm. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, I said, but generally, yes, I probably agree, you know, with more policy issues with the Lib Dems than I do with anyone else. As I recall it, you were one of literally a handful of people, which I mean, maybe five people who voted against the proposed joint relationship, the coalition government in 2010 mm. between the Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives. So there were 2000 people in the room. Uh, it was mm. proposed by Nick Clegg, the absolutely catastrophic leader of the Liberal Democrats who ruined the party in terms of numbers, that he gets to be Deputy Prime Minister, I suppose. That was the inference by going to coalition. And you and a former leader, Charles Kennedy, voted against it. Why was that? I just felt it was a betrayal of our values and it and it turned out like that. And um, you, you may remember, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but... Um, that I, I just wrapped my brains. What can I do that's going to have an impact? Um, because obviously, knowing, in fact, I was only one of only four, four or five that actually spoke against it in the hall. What can I do that people will remember? And so I smuggled in a pair of um, pink fluffy handcuffs. And when it was my turn to speak, went up and just said, um, we've had a very interesting game of Kiss Chase. If you remember, there were the supposed negotiations with uh, uh, with Gordon Brown, which John Reid scuppered. And uh, we've got one clapped out old geezer who's never going to deliver and, an, and a bright young thing who's whispering sweet nothings into your ear. And before you know it, it's got you tied up in all sorts of things that will turn your stomach, at which point I bought out the pink fluffy handcuffs. <laughs> and nobody remembers anything about that. <laughs> that debate except the pink fluffy handcuffs which was my intention because that for me summed up what the problem was um we were the the, the smaller party it it all looked like a lot of fun you know remember the rose garden with david cameron and, and nick clegg and and everybody was kind of just looking at it through rose tinted glasses rather than seeing that the impact that would have on our party um more importantly than the impact on our party the impact on the, the people of this country and, and the damage that was done to people's lives, and is still being done. We're still living the consequences of those 
of that decision to go into coalition. Well, that's a, that sets the scene very well to the main debate I want to have with you today, which can be broken into two parts. The first part in a moment after the break will be what do you make of the inference from the by-election result where uh, somebody very much from outside the mainstream parties won an unequivocal victory, unarguable victory. It wasn't even close. And then after that, if we have time, uh, I'd like to come right back to the point you've made, which is what prospects you see for the old parties, given that uh, many people regard Labour Conservatives as the uni party with the Lib Dems as a pale little add-on in the corner. Uh, nothing personal. I know that you're still active in the Liberal Democrats, but uh, a lot of people would say, what's the point? Don't go anywhere, Linda. Don't hang up. I'm not being personal. <laughs> and it's my birthday. So even if I am, you just have to suck it up today. Grin and bear it. Uh, that's Linda Jack. We're going to go back to her in just a minute. Lots of chat going on. If I do have time, I'll read some of them as well. We're very pressed with less than 40 minutes to go. But have your say at tntradio.live or phone in as well. If you've got time, we'll get you on. Uh, this is the Lembotopic Show. This is TNT. See you in a moment. TNT's Timothy Shea. We need a calling in our public sphere. And I'm not calling for, you know, assassinations. I'm not calling for, no, no. What I'm saying is these people need to be exorcised from the public square. We need to stop giving them platforms. We need to stop amplifying their voices. I'm not saying censor them. I'm saying we need to stop listening to them. We need to stop voting for them. Claire McCaskill, Newspapers need to stop fact-checking Joe Biden until they fact-check Donald Trump every day on the front page. Earth Declare, where have you been in the last eight years? The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know. Because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonist. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London, or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? 
would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assam shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. The human mind is like a computer, no matter how efficient it may be. Its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Welcome back to Lembertopic here on the Lembertopic show. Uh, on today's news talk, the chat has gone wild of some of which i can read uh, if you do want to get involved go to tntradio.live you'll find us there also go to the uh, site and you'll find the phone numbers if we have time no promises if we have time we'll get you on as well let me just read some of the messages i really want to get back to linda jack our guest our political commentator uh, now, just to explain, if you don't live in the United Kingdom, there was a by-election in the north of England, and there's a chap called George Galloway who has been a pain in the side of mainstream politics for decades. Also, a reality TV star, a little bit like myself, if I say so. The difference is he gets re-elected back into Parliament. And he is a socialist candidate. He comes from the, uh, from the Workers' Party, and that has struck terror into the hearts of the old blancmange Uni Party, uh, also known as Labour Conservative, with a sprinkling of liberal democracy. Uh, why? Because he absolutely whipped them uh, out of the out of the park. He completely annihilated the other parties who were standing against him, uh, and that was from a standing start. At the right time, you'd have got incredibly good odds and could have made quite a few thousand by betting on George Galloway. But there we have it. We're going to talk about what happened there with Linda Jack in a minute. Let me just read some of the comments, though. Oh, I should also say the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is so scared of George Galloway that he actually went onto the steps of Downing Street and made a speech about him yesterday when we thought he was going to announce a general election, to my surprise, because I think it's going to be October, November. No, he was just out there saying this is a victory for extremism and it has to be stopped. Perhaps there's a different interpretation. I won't steal Linda's thunder. We'll see what she has to say. Let's find out what you're saying as well. Uh, Mogden says, brilliant. When George Galloway said that he despises Fishy Sunak to a TV reporter, it was so funny. Yes, uh, indeed. George Galloway is never 
reticent to come forward and tell us what he thinks. And he's made a lot of friends in the process. Uh, Just a bloke says, in order to preserve democracy, we deny you your right to exercise it. Good point. Well made. Talk about bad losing. Hemingway says Rishi Sunak is in possession of a Betamax mind in a digital age. I'm going to steal that off you, Hemingway. Might even credit you with it. And Holly says, well, let's hope he continues to ruffle the feathers of those stuffed up vultures, says Holly in relation to George Galloway's opportunity to make some feathers fly in Parliament. Just two more. Uh, Red says, Roland Rat's speech was unbelievable, sounded like a Chinese dictator, but with a more patronizing voice. <laughs> I love China. I nearly moved to China. And another occasion I'll explain why. I might still do it one day in the future. Holly adds, analog man in a digital world indeed. That sounds like a great line for a short story. Keep your calls and comments coming. There are so many, probably more than I've ever had on the show. Uh, Linda, Jack, uh, former Labour, former Social Democratic Party, current Liberal Democrat. What's your interpretation of George Galloway's victory over all parties at the Rochdale by-election? Is he a threat? Is he an extremist threat to democracy? I don't personally think so. No, I, I think that what we saw in, in, in Rochdale, I mean, it was a, a result of some of the circumstances in terms of the Labour uh, Party con uh, candidate not being backed I think for me and I've got there's a lot of things you know I won't get started on where I disagree with him on, on a lot of issues however I think he is so strong and firm on Gaza and has that strength to be able to put that message across in a way that I don't see any other politician really doing the same particularly um in parliament because he's not afraid to call out stuff you know call call things what they are rather than just um pander to uh the media now okay he's got the advantage he doesn't need to he, he doesn't need to because he's not he might be the leader of his own little party but he's not likely to be leader of the country but i, I think anything that shakes things up I, I, he's a great orator i think that will be a good a great contribution to um Parliament, whether we agree with him or not, he makes people think about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And that can only be healthy because at the minute it's so bland. And I think Blamange is a very good description of what's going on at the moment. Uh, my view about George Galloway, who I know personally, and I've done a lot of work with him in broadcasting as it happens, is this. George has never been reticent at expressing his points of view however outrageously frustrating other people may find that on one famous occasion he went to the american uh white house or not sorry not white house capitol hill and he absolutely annihilated the people who were inquisitioning him because he seemed so much smarter this is my interpretation my opinion but he seemed to be absolutely on the ball now i think Linda, and I want to know what you think about this. You don't need to agree with me just because it's my birthday. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. But I think what George Galloway did was he saw the opportunity to say the Labour Party has totally imploded in terms of its relationship with the Muslim community. Uh, it's also imploded to some extent with its relationship with the Jewish community at the same time because Rishi's, uh, because Keir Starmer, easy mistake to make, Keir Starmer uh, had what turned out to be a candidate which, who he regarded as anti-Semitic. But at the same time, he opposed a ceasefire in Gaza, which made him look like he was anti-Palestinian at the same time. So he created his own perfect storm, and George Galloway just simply sailed down the middle and got past the post first. 
But what's your view? Yeah, I mean, I, it beggars belief what happened really in terms of, you know, you, digging at yourself a hole. Um, and uh, I think there's that saying, isn't it? The only thing you get if, if you sit on the fence is splinters. Um, and <laughs> I'm glad you didn't finish that whole stan- sentence. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so for me, it's, I think we're crying out in this country for people that have got values, that we, even if we don't agree with them. Tony Benn was somebody I I didn't agree with, but I, I, you have to admire the man for always standing by his values, not moving, not and and Jeremy Corbyn to, to a certain extent as well. Um, we want to know what people stand for. With George Galloway, we know exactly what he stands for. And he will be very thought, forthright in terms of, raising the issues and i think that can only be a good thing particularly in terms of gaza uh well with the uh narrative with the story that he told he was very clear mm-hmm. he said that he was fighting the campaign to an extent about gaza but my opinion mm-hmm. is that what he really was able to uh, gain votes from was number one the appalling performance and cover-up with regard to some terrible child abuse uh events which took place in that constituency under the uh under the mm. management if you like of other parties and secondly a really clear statement saying that nobody is speaking for the palestinians in british politics but i will and yeah. we, we we don't need to get into the Gaza conflict thing here because that will take the rest of the show uh, but it seems to me wherever you stand on it the public said yes we do want somebody to say this because we want a ceasefire and you didn't really have to be very political in Rochdale to think that sounded like a good idea exactly and it clearly wasn't just uh, the Muslim community that voted for him there were lots of people that shared that perspective um uh, I think I mean I don't know if you were going to come on to Rishi Sunak but I listened to his statement yesterday and and what really struck me was a psychologist would call it projection in order to take the 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 notice away from the kind of you know extremists that you would see in his own party and some of the stuff that was has been going on with um people like Lee Anderson and Suella Braverman we're going to call out somebody else and we're going to make it such a big issue that was that was not a prime ministerial statement that was a clearly political statement it wasn't about you know something that's really serious for the country whether that be you know obviously you can get back at covid or whatever it might be it was him trying to um use it as an opportunity to tell everybody that actually we're going to be you know mob rule it kind of feeds into that narrative um and that's what really worries me about what what they're doing is that they're, you know, they're creating this, uh, even the most simplest things, you know, that they, they, so by, for example, uh, suggesting that Sadiq Khan is in, in league with the Islamists, he is also, you know, well, not him, but obviously it was Lee Anderson, but it's that kind of chip, 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 chip away in terms of creating that distrust. So the very thing that he's create, he is saying about George Galloway, which is about creating um, division, is exactly what they're doing at the minute. Why do we keep hearing about the boats, stop the boats, you know, always about division, always about the other, never about what do we need as a, as a society to create something that works for everyone 
George Galloway famously, and in my view, amusingly say, stated uh, that he thought that basically Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak were in charge of two cheeks of the same backside, <laughs> which he had decidedly spanked <laughs> with his outcome. That's probably as far as I'd go with the language. But he, he's right, isn't he? Because it's very hard to tell the Labour and the Conservative parties apart. But the it, voters it, it, in, in Rothschild were able to tell George Galloway apart from the rest of them. Exactly. And that's it. And that's what people are missing. I mean, that for me is one of the reasons that I would support proportional representation, because we would ha have a much better range of voices. Now, I'm going to be seeing someone this afternoon who I've known for a very long time, used to be a Labour councillor in, in Bedfordshire. And she's been told she can never again um, be a candidate for the Labour Party because she doesn't tick the box in terms of what you want as a candidate. And, and th there is this whole, um, the control, you know, that, it, that is going on in a lot of the parties. Not only that, I think a lot of the control is coming from outside influences. Who's funding these parties? Where, you know, who are they worried about upsetting? It's not you or me or the general public. They're worried about upsetting their donors. Um, and so we end up with a very skewed political system that doesn't represent anyone. Um, and that's why, for me, a proportional representation, you would get a much broader range of views and you wouldn't get this seesawing backwards and forwards, allegedly from left to right. But, you know, for example, look at the NHS. Um, the, the way the Labour government actually invested in the NHS, there was no real complaints about it. We've had... Uh, all this time, coming up for um, 14 years of just denigration of the NHS and everybody, and again, it's costing lives. And that's the thing that gets me, it's because it's not your life, you're not worried about it because you've got private healthcare or you've got uh, private education for your children. So those people, they're not really that fussed because it's not going to affect them. And that's what I worry about. And at least if you had a, a, a greater range of of, of voices and you had to convince more people of what you wanted to do rather than just you know have a majority um i think we'd have a much better political system in this country Tied into what you've said linda which i largely agree with it feels to me and taking the debate a step further the labor party and the conservative party have sunk into process now they're not really talking about a vision for britain Starmer yeah. made a half-hearted attempt to do something which I thought was stupid in the first place, which was to have a green-based economy. But he's junked that now. He's thrown away his flagship policy. And so what you see is Keir Starmer, who's leader of the Labour Party, wants to be prime minister, and Rishi Sunak, leader of the Conservatives, who wants to continue being prime minister, turning their fire on others. And essentially saying, vote for us because we're not as bad as the others. There's not much vision in that. Whereas... Uh, you could say the Reform Party is trying to put forward a vision uh, and the uh, Workers' Party definitely put forward a vision. He was telling us what he wanted to do. Uh, we'll talk about Liberal Democrats after the break, but but in terms of Labour and Conservative, how, how would you, I know you're in the Lib Dems, but I know that you're also an honest person. How would you define how they're performing as parties and, and how distinctive are they? I think 
it's very sad because over the years I've known a lot of conservatives. I still, you know, meet with old conservative uh, colleagues from when I was on the council. Um, a lot of conservative MPs that I have a lot of time or had, had a lot of time for. It just seems to me that there is this move rightwards. And I will never forget when, um, you'll remember this, when uh, when Charles Kennedy was basically forced out of the party. I should um, just explain, or, Charles Kennedy was sorry. the leader of the Liberal Democrats. Charles Kennedy yeah. was the leader of the Liberal Democrats when I was a member of Parliament, and the Lib Dems had about yeah. roughly 10% of the seats in Parliament. Carry on. Yes. Yeah, and 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 he, um, he'd been forced out of being leader, on, I mean, not the party. And we had a conference in the January and we had, I think it was John Curtis, somebody like that, one of the, the sophologists speaking to us. I don't know if you were there, Lambert, but I'll never forget it because they were talking. I mean, obviously the whole issue, everybody just thought, well, you know, we've lost actually an incredible leader that that we've now going to have somebody who doesn't have that same charisma and didn't have that same impact in terms of um, our our case at at, at, uh, election time. But one of the things they showed was that whether we like it or not, most people are attracted by the centre. So whether you're, and I think I was quite pleased because I think we, we were seen as being on the left at like 4.5 and Labour was 4.6. But then at that time, uh, the Tories were seen as six. So they were going further towards the right. And what they're doing at the moment is pushing them, you know, seem to be going for that much more right-wing agenda to reach some of the people that they want to vote for them, who actually will probably vote for reform. And it doesn't matter how far right they go, they won't be able to take that place of where where reform's base is. Um, well, so that, I think they're well, making that's a big mistake in it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to come back. After the break, I want to have a view from the inside. Tomorrow morning, we've got Professor Russell Deacon, who'll give us the objective analysis, as he can put it, uh, in terms of what the the current state of British politics is. We have him on quite often because essentially he tells us where we are in the electoral cycle. Uh, but after the break, I want to talk with you, Linda, about what it's like to be campaigning, what you're hearing on the doors, what the mood is at the ground floor level of politics that you inhabit and which incidentally Nick Clegg never did. Uh, all of that with uh, Linda Jack in a moment. Do keep your calls and comments coming uh, on the chat at tntradio.live. Uh, this is the Lambert Turpic Show. This is TNT. See you in a moment. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. George Ford Smith of the Mises Institute has written a thoughtful and thought-provoking article entitled, Who Hijacked Our Free Will? The answer, of course, is no one. Hijackings are violent actions. We haven't had a violent action against our free will. No, what we've had is incrementalism, incremental encroachments on our civil rights, our civil liberties, our very way of life. And every single time we take the easy path, we let the experts handle it, we let the government handle it, we just don't want to rock the boat, we've ceded a little bit more of our liberty and our free will. 
John Adams said that our Constitution is holy for a religious and God-fearing people and is wholly unsuited to any other. We need to become more active, more engaged, and more educated. We need to start digging into our candidates and finding out to whom do they answer. If you've got a candidate that's being funded by the Koch brothers, you might want to look for another candidate in the Republican primary. Do your diligence, do your work, do your duty as a citizen. Exercise your free will before it's all gone. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. I'm CAL FIRE Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez, and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Welcome back to the last quarter of an hour of my show. But remember, today's News Talk broadcasts as live as possible, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we separate our facts from our opinions. So you get both, but you know which is it is which, uh, unlike some other stations I could suggest. Uh, Linda Jack's still with me. I want to talk to her about the human experience of how it's uh, feeling on the ground, uh, doing politics uh, in the United Kingdom at the moment. I used to do that myself. Not something I particularly miss, I have to tell you. Uh, before <laughs> I go to her again, uh, let's go to the TNTradio.live chat. And Linda, you've certainly sparked a lot of debate here. Once again, apologies if I haven't read your message out. It's nothing personal. I'm just trying to get a cross-section here. Uh, Happy Larry says, the uni party will follow the same policies regardless of what they might say they will do. And it's got a sad ring of truth to it there. Blodders referring to the former party leader, Charles Kennedy, who ran the Liberal Democrats for a lot of the time I was the uh, a member of parliament there. Blodders says, a shower of gimps followed Charles Kennedy. I could tell you many stories, Blodders, about Charles. Whatever his faults, he had a great heart. And our previous uh, contributor on the show today, Mads, made it clear, it doesn't matter if you're left, right, libertarian, authoritarian, if you've got a good heart, you've got a place in politics. And he definitely had a good heart. His his, his demise was tragic. Uh, then uh, Hidden Truth says, rather ominously, I think, I seriously think we are only going to deal with this via civil war. 
Just to be clear, today's news talks policy is not to promote civil war in this country. I'm just reading out that message. Let's say it might be metaphorical. Madrid said a very nice thing here. Lembit, you have now got us tied down to two hours of doing nothing in the home. It should be three. It should be three, Madrid. Oh, thanks for the uh, for the compliment, I suppose. Uh, just two more. Uh, just a bloke says, we need members of parliament of conviction, vision and integrity. Folks who genuinely believe in something, preferably good. I have to say, just a bloke, it felt more like that to me when I got first got elected in 1997 than it does when I go in there now. And as you know, if you listen to me regularly, I think that's because we've got political classes who haven't done anything else. And uh, one more, Blodder says, uh, they're already doing it by identity politics. They think controlling social media and the law will keep them safe. Good luck. Lots more uh, information there. And uh, that's a cross-section. If you want to understand the context of some of that, you'll need to go to the chat. Linda, thanks for staying with us. Uh, I have the Professor Russell Deacon tomorrow morning um, to talk about the political detail the objective analysis of the numbers. What you can give us, though, is the human side of it. What's it like What's it like campaigning at the moment uh, in Britain? I, I know you didn't go to Rochdale. In fact, the Liberal Democrats said they weren't really going to bother there. Ian Donaldson, the campaign, yeah. said, don't come. But what's the feeling like? Are people optimistic, pessimistic, angry, dejected, feeling misled? Well, what? Yeah, I mean... We had a local issue in that we had a, a Lib Dem mayor and they changed the voting system, um, as you will know, for, for all those like PCC uh, candidates and and for mayoral candidates. Um, and unfortunately, he lost by about 156 votes or something ridiculous. So obviously that kind of knocked us back a bit, particularly when we seem to be doing pretty well. I think... What really worries me is the kind of malaise that is created when people that don't take as much interest in, pol in politics as we do just say you're all the same. And there's an there's an element of that. There are clearly big issues over um, things like the cost of living crisis and, and people are really struggling. Um, and this kind of disconnect because whatever's being said they that's not people's experience on the ground so you know Rishi Sunak and I think part of the problem they've got with him is that he is seen as very remote not just because he's in Westminster but also because he's obviously a very very wealthy man who doesn't have to worry about the things that everybody else has to worry about um and he even admitted as a teenager he didn't have any working class friends so he he, he certainly doesn't get an idea of what it might be like when you're struggling to feed your children and so I, those, those are the issues. But but the other things that are kind of you do get some of those the kind of issues that are being, in my view, kind of con, uh, kind of what's the word I'm looking for inflated in sense of um, the issue about the boats. Now, I don't know about you, but when whenever I've been campaigning in areas, uh, very white areas of, of Britain, that's moan, mainly where you get all the complaints about, oh, they're all coming over here. Well, how many have, have, do you know that have come over here and taken your job and all the rest of it? And and so there's this kind of, again, this, this attempt to divide, attempt to say, don't let this lot in because they're going to let all these immigrants in, even though we've had 14 years when they've really done nothing about the, the, the issues that they say are important. And they've done nothing in terms of looking at, you know, what 
really understanding why people might be coming here and what we need to be doing elsewhere to to help people where they are because I know if something happened here and you have to leave your country, you don't want to go. It's your home. It's where you have your roots. The land, particularly in other countries, is very important to people. So I, I worry about that. I worry that we're going to get a lot of this um, false narrative. And so we don't actually, you know, we just hit. And that's why people say they're all the same, because you just, it looks like all it is is about bashing the other side. I'm not saying that's not effective because, um, and I could go into that later date but you know there are there is evidence that actually negative campaigning is effective that's why people use it but it's that what you touched on it's that vision there's there's nobody that you can say yeah that's a person of vision and that's what i mean whatever i think of tony blair one of the things he did when he came to power in 97 was he gave people a vision of what the world would look like if Labour is in control. Now, it might have got on a bit pear-shaped later on with Iraq and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, things like, as I said, the, the NHS, they were really um, taken by the horns and dealt with the issues around the NHS. Uh, Blodders says, you are political class, Lambert. And Blodders, I suppose technically you're right. I spend a lot, of, lot more time with politicians than the average person. And I know my local MP personally, so you're right. What I'd suggest, Blodders and Linda, is that political class has changed. When I did it, I had a previous professional career in a big multinational company, and I've returned into what might not be mainstream, ordinary work, if you like, not in a factory or something like that. But I have to earn money in a way which doesn't just show up in my account because I happen to be an MP. The biggest change, I think, Linda, is that we have a political class of people who haven't done anything else and don't seem to want to, which is why Nick Clegg ruined the Liberal Democrats, why we've had so many problems with so many people at the top of parties now. George Galloway doesn't look like that. Perhaps his secret is, like Nigel Farage, like Donald Trump, he's relatable to people who aren't in the political class that Blod has referred to. I, I, and I think that's that's it, isn't it? There's there is that you know we mentioned it earlier. P, uh, PPE politics, um, no PE, isn't it? Sorry, I'm thinking of PPE uh, politics, uh, economics, and what was the, what's the third one? Philosophy. Philosophy. Oh, so it is PPE. It's PPE. Yeah, it's me. PPE. Yeah. But so they've all done the PPE. Uh, not to be not to be confused with the way that some people made millions during COVID, which is a different kind of PPE. Just, I know that's where it gets confusing. Personal um, protective equipment. Yeah, so, so they go, you know, and, and you're right. And you, um, Cameron was one of them as well. You know, what, what other job had he done? What did he actually understand about people's normal everyday lives? Um, and the impact, the decisions that Parliament makes has on those people's lives. And that is, that is where I, I get con concerned, probably, that you have that class and you're quite right that that they haven't done anything else. They don't have the empathy that you need when you're in that kind of role. Um, and it's all about getting to the top. So they're not, they don't just want to be an MP, you know, they want to be prime minister or have a ministerial job. So, so everything they do is is geared towards that. And then they want um, a great career afterwards, like um, um, Liz Truss and being able to go and, I don't know how much she charges to, to speak at, at, uh, at various events and make a lot of money that way.
Yeah, I wish I could do that more. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of messages, partly because some of them um, entertain me. Rivers says, Lembert is political classy, uh, <laughs> which I quite like. Thank you for that, River. Uh, Holly, Holly bursts my bubble by saying, I imagine he doesn't have any friends. Fair play, Holly. That's why I do this show. At least <laughs> people have to talk to me then on my birthday. Mogden says, of the end, um, oh, yes, that's a different subject. There's nothing wrong with it, Mogden. I just don't want to open it like three minutes before the end of the show. Uh, uh, TNT is politically suited for, T uh, Lembit is politically suited for TNT. That's for sure, says Mazzy. Well, I do feel a, an alignment here, I have to say, because of the libertarian agenda. And the fact that we don't have to pretend that opinions are facts and vice versa. And uh, lots more there. Uh, just want to spend the last few minutes. Do keep your calls and comments coming. They're great comments. I just can't keep up with them. It's a happy problem. Uh, but do go to the TNT chat if you want to see the whole story. Just in the last couple of minutes, then, a few things. Do you think that we can reverse this juggernaut of old parties, which looks like it's heading into a brick wall, uh, with George Galloway standing on the other side of it to carry on the journey without you? I, I think it's very difficult. I, I, you know, I I worry, as I say, I think that the only thing that will really reverse it is if we actually have a proper look at what sort of electoral system we have. And so you get a much more diverse uh, load of people coming forward. And um, you've only got to look even at like when we were in the European Union, um, whether, you know, Obviously, a lot of people didn't agree with that, but that's another story. But th there was a lot more um, representational members of the European Parliament, as there are, I think, now in you know in the rest of the UK, except England, where they have proportional representation to elect people to uh, their parliaments, and th and that does lead to much more com communication. I mean, if you look at the Scottish Parliament, you look at the Welsh Parliament, you you've got a setup where everybody sits around rather than adversarial where you're facing each other and you know two swords apart at the dispatch box so that completely you know when you've actually got to cooperate it changes the the way you do politics and i think it changes people's view of politics because they know nothing's going to change drastically like it does in this country every time we get a change of government i think it depends not so much on the shape of the table uh, but who's sitting at it? But that's a whole debate for another time. Uh, last question for you, Linda, because we're nearly out of time. Very briefly, uh, do you think that George Galloway will make an impact having won that by-election, or do you think the media circus will move on? I think the media circus will move on because they always do, but I would hope that he will get opportunities in Parliament to uh, make some of the cases that I would like to see made. Uh, he doesn't have a very good record, it has to be said, for actually attending Parliament when he was an MP before. So I guess that might also be uh, be a bit of an issue for the people of uh, Rochdale. So, but it, it will be an interesting one to watch and it's spice things up a bit. Oh, yes, he'll certainly put spice into the situation. He says he despises Sunak and he's actually not been too complimentary about Labour either. Thank you so much, Linda Jack, and thank you for uh, taking the time here. You're always welcome. We'll have you back again soon. We'll continue this theme tomorrow morning, by the way, uh, with Professor Russell Deacon taking an objective look at the implications of the results. Coming up next, though, we've got Dirk Polman here on today's News Talk, continuing the dialogue. I've warmed them up and he will keep you alight. They may not be global boiling, but they'll certainly be 
debate boiling here over the airwaves. Thanks so much. And thanks to my team as well. Thanks for the birthday greetings. I'll be back at 0900 tomorrow. Don't be late. Looking forward to seeing you on the Lembitopic show once again, right here on TNT. See you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.